All right, Encounter Church, how are you doing today? You guys look, you guys look fantastic. You look great. It's so good to see you. I'm glad that you're here. People watching online, we are so grateful that you're joining us. And just want to start by saying once again, Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, moms, women, ladies. I hope that you feel celebrated today. We want to thank you, and honestly, we could never really thank you enough. And it's not just about all that you do. You do so many great things for us, but really we want to celebrate and honor you for who you are. Like you show us a glimpse of God's love and his strength and his compassion, and I really hope that you feel appreciated today, ladies. Uh, I am also excited because we are starting a new teaching series today called On Brand. If we haven't met, my name is Joe Hayes. I'm the location pastor at our soon-to-be-opening Fulton Heights location. Just this week, we announced that we're going to be opening that location in Fulton Heights on September 12th. So I'm pretty excited about that. We're excited. Yeah. Oh, you're excited too. Well, that makes me pretty happy. Uh, And we're going to be putting out all sorts of calendars. We'll talk more about that over the upcoming weeks. If you want to talk about that, I would love to talk about that with you. But now, we're talking about On Brand, new message series. And honestly, it feels like like everybody has a brand. Everybody's building a brand today. Startup businesses, mega corporations, universities, churches, individuals, influencers. Everybody's trying to create an image, build or rebuild, protect a brand or how they show themselves to the world. Digital content creation last year was an $11 billion industry with a B. I think that that's a lot of money. It's an interesting thing. And we've seen it all over the place, and it felt like, especially in 2020, it felt like global products were like trying to take advantage of our collective pain. I don't know if you saw any ads that were kind of targeting us in the middle of a pandemic. One comedian on Twitter, he went uh, and he talked about it this way. Take a look. In these trying times, the world can feel a little colder than it did the day before. Almost as cold as the Rocky Mountains. At Coors Light, we know you live to move. But right now, we're not supposed to be moving. But when we can move again, Nissan will be there. We could all use a shot of hope, a dash of faith, A can of Pepsi. We're all dealing with the burdens of stress and anxiety. It can make you want to pull your hair out. At Johnson & Johnson, our new strength revitalizing shampoo, the uncertainty of day-to-day life can take a toll on anyone. That's why Fruity Pebbles has teamed up with Red Cross. (laughs) Fruity Pebbles really cares about you. I promise, because they told me on social media. You know, do we really need to know what Burger King thinks about everything that's happening in the news? Like, why do I care if Pop-Tarts has a stance on complex social and political issues? I don't know, but I still want to know. You know, like, it seems like it's everywhere. We expect everybody to have a brand or an angle and something to promote. I mean, I have friends... Well, that's a surprise, first of all. I have friends that are good people otherwise, but their pets have social media accounts. Like, why? First of all, it's an adorable pet, so I get it. But do we really need that? 
And companies started learning that they could pay influencers to promote their products. And a Kardashian like holds up a can of Pepsi and they give her a million dollars. And now, my friends, now we have Christian influencers. Christ, Christian, inf Christian influencers. Do, do you know what this is? This is someone who gets paid real money to like take a picture with like a fashionable hat and super white sneakers of like their Bible next to a cup of coffee, probably on like a really expensive hotel balcony. Maybe you've seen this picture, yeah. And I bet the caption probably reads, this post about my morning Bible reading is sponsored by Nespresso. Or, or maybe uh, this one, dads, your kids will love the new John the Baptist locust and honey o's. What about this one? Uh, relationships, troubles, ladies? Have your man take my new Judas Kiss lie detector test. That's ridiculous. Thank you. That's ridiculous. But here's the thing. We all care about how people see us. We all care about how we look. Like, I care about how I look. And sometimes we care more about how we look than how we live. But I think that we can all agree, we all believe that a, the life of faith is more or should be more than just appearances. Like the life of faith should be more than just what's on the surface. And the Bible has a lot to say, as you can imagine, about what Christ followers should be known for. And even if you don't fully believe the Bible, even if you're not sure about what you believe about Jesus, I think we would all agree that to say that you're a Christian should mean something. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be in this series called On Brand, but really what we're going to be looking at is what makes a Christian a Christian. And, and to use that idea, we're going to be walking through the book of Philippians. If you have your Bibles in front of you or on your phone, if you want to jump to Philippians chapter 1, each week we're going to be looking at a different chapter in this book in the New Testament, and we're going to focus on one verse from each chapter. And if you want to play along, if you want extra credit, you can start reading maybe one chapter a week. And this is what it says in Philippians 1, verse 27. Whatever happens, which is a pretty great way to start a sentence. Whatever happens, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Let's just to start, let's do that one more time. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Friends, something that should define our brand or like how we live in the world and how we look to the world is that we conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So we're going to break that down a little bit. And to do that and to kind of shape our series through the book of Philippians, we want to know a couple things. The book of Philippians was written, it was a letter written by a guy named Paul, 
Maybe you've heard of this guy. He's kind of like a founding father of the Christian faith, kind of like one of the stained glass guys, like kind of a big deal in the early church. And here's the thing. Paul had a dramatic, life-altering, life-altering encounter with Jesus. Paul had a dramatic, life-altering encounter with Jesus. And if we're in a series talking about what makes a Christian a Christian, maybe that's where we should start. A dramatic, life-altering, life-changing encounter with Jesus is something that marks a Christ follower. And it was such a big deal to Paul that he changed his entire life in response to that encounter. He set out with a group of guys and began traveling throughout the Middle East, throughout Asia, and eventually on into Europe to tell other people about the impact of that encounter in his life. And one of his first stops in Europe was to a town called Philippi. Philippi is in modern Greece today, the northeast corner of modern Greece. It was an interesting city primarily populated by ex-Roman military. It was a smaller population, but an incredibly influential and affluent community. Uh, there were some certain benefits of being a Roman colony at that time. Those individuals didn't have to pay like land tax or voting taxes. There were some local gold mines around the area that really funded much of the Roman Empire. And although it was a small population, it was incredibly influential in that area. The religious climate was really an interesting mix of a lot of different things. People in Philippi uh, worshipped the em emperor, the, con connected to the empire. They worshipped Roman, Greek, and even Egyptian gods. And for the most part, what they did was kind of pick and choose from different religious traditions to kind of build a religious cult climate that suited their needs. Now, and there's three kind of really quick, small things that I think we should highlight as we jump into Philippians. The first thing is hope. Hope is a thread that goes through the book. Hope was very real to Paul. And as you can imagine, someone who had had such a, a remarkable conversion, he had a lot of hope in Jesus, and it was something that he didn't want his hearers to miss out on. Hope and joy. Hope and joy. Joy for today because of the hope for tomorrow. Joy was a thread throughout this letter. And if maybe you're a student of the Bible, you know that Paul has written other letters like Colossians and Galatians, and, and some of those letters are a little bit more crisis management oriented. He was writing to leaders in these early churches trying to solve problems, trying to fix issues. And that's not so much the case with Philippians. As you read the book, you start to realize that Paul has a really warm connection to these people. He keeps talking about how joyful he is in his memories. He really, uh, really connected with this group of believers. And I'm excited because next week we're going to talk actually about some of the individuals that were in this early church. But his, his real hope, like his steadfast hope, was their conduct in the world around him. His belief, his heartfelt concern was their behavior in society. Or maybe you could say like the story that they told the world in their community. So hope and joy. And the third thing is this. Other than Paul and a couple of people that were traveling with him, uh, there are no Philippian men mentioned in the book. Like, 
it's worth noting, like, this is a movement of spiritually hungry and driven women moved by the Spirit of God. And I am not just saying this because it's Mother's Day. Like, it's worth noting that the health of the church and the spiritual health of our homes is often driven by women. Women who are passionately pursuing Jesus and mostly keeping men like me in line. You are made in God's image. Women, we need your spiritual fervor. We need your ruthlessness. We need your courage. We need your dependence on Jesus and your accountability. The church in Philippi was better because of the role of women in leadership. And that is true for our church today as well. There was no ceiling for women. Uh, They needed women's leadership and strength and, and work, and we do too in every capacity and in every role. And I want that to frame what we're talking about. But as Paul addresses guys and gals, this is what he says. Back to 127. Conduct yourselves. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Have you ever heard the expression, my house, my rules? Yes? I see a couple heads nodding. Yeah, I, I have too. Just, I mean, maybe once, maybe twice, just a couple times. Small things. My mom, don't build a skate park in the basement. You know, maybe don't shoot off fireworks in the laundry chute. My house, my rules. Maybe. Not, that, that's never happened, I promise. We all understand that every house has house rules. Like, we have dress codes at work and at school. When I go to a job interview, I'm going to tuck in my shirt I might even wear a tie. Like, there's rules of engagement at the pool. There's rules of engagement at the golf course. In America, we have speed limits and tax codes and regulations for people and businesses and even pets. It's expected that in other countries, they might have different laws. And each of us align our behavior with the context that we're in. And that's what Paul is getting at when he says, conduct yourselves in a manner. Like, live in line with the expectation of the place that you're from and the place that you represent. Conduct yourselves in a manner. Uh, Have you heard the expression, living up to the office? Someone's living up to the office. It's... It's not, uh, it's not about, you know, no TV show will ever be better than the folks from Dunder Mifflin. Living up to the office is when you're selected or elected for a government position or a business office. There are certain expectations that come along with that role that you're expected to live up to. And we hear it all the time, unfortunately, political scandal, ethics violations where people are pointed out and it's said they are not living up to the office that they represent. And this is what Paul is saying. Conduct yourselves in a manner. Live up to the office of what? Uh, A couple weeks ago, I was traveling, and I got invited to a nice restaurant. And this is what I would classify as, like, a fancy restaurant. So immediately, I was underdressed, and there was a certain amount of expectations that I had and were, had for me about how many forks there were and how to use a napkin, which apparently you're supposed to do in a restaurant, how to interact with the wait staff. And I have to tell you, it was a great experience. Like, it was really, really nice. And I was so grateful to be invited that I happily, like, adapted my behavior to match the environment. I didn't do it, I didn't complain about it. I didn't do it begrudgingly, like, oh, i got to move this fork 
it was such a great invitation that I was happy to adjust. And maybe you visited friends who had a baby and they're in the hospital and you go to visit because you're excited to welcome this new baby for people that you care about. And you do it willingly. You do it. You're, you're excited. You're not complaining when you're trying to put those booties on your feet or like, I got to wash my. No, you are. You're so grateful for the invitation. And this is the invitation that Paul talks about when he says, when he talks about the gospel of Jesus. In Revelation 22, it says, let the one who is thirsty come to me. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. This is about an invitation. And an invitation to the White House or a call from a recruiter for a job that you've really really wanted, a a friend request from a blue check. Those are great. But this is the invitation of Jesus. His words saying, come and follow me. And this, my friends, is what the gospel is. This is the gospel. It's the invitation of Jesus. It is the power of Jesus to redeem a lost life. It is the power to break the weight of sin, to bring liberation and freedom for those of us who need it. That is the gospel invitation that Paul is talking about. To become a Christian, you simply say yes to Jesus. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Sometimes I think about where my life would be without that invitation. Where my life would be without the power of the gospel of Christ in my life. If I would be spinning my wheels trying to make something of myself, if I would be stuck in cycles of addiction or still trying to earn the affection and love of a father that I never had present or trapped in my own, like, insecurity. The gospel of Christ has been real for me. Do you ever think about where you're where your life would be without the gospel of Christ. Scripture is clear that this good news of Christ causes our lives to change. The power of Christ doesn't just come in and take out the bad stuff and leave an empty, like, void. It, It takes the bad stuff away. That invitation gives you freedom, and the desire is that it's filled and replaced with more of Jesus. Matt Chandler, pastor in Texas, says, if the gospel is true, our lives should look like it's true. If the gospel is true, our lives should look like it's true. If the gospel is beautiful in our life, if, if it is big in our lives, then our lives should reflect the beauty of that gospel. If the gospel is a small part of our life, then that part of our life will be small and we will chase other allegiances to fill that space. Richard Foster, a famous Christian influencer, he was just really a Christian author, he says, the ultimate goal of life is to fall in love with Jesus over and over again. Nothing is more important 
Nothing is more central and nothing is more critical. The more in love with Jesus we become, the more we arrange our lives to admire and worship in gratitude Jesus, the closer he gets to us, the closer that Jesus gets to us, the bigger the gospel of Christ gets in our lives. And the more change we see, the more we obey him, the more our life looks like Christ. So what makes a Christian a Christian, according to this verse? I would say that a way to look at it is that our actions are a mirror. Our actions are a mirror. Our behavior reflects our Savior. Our behavior reflects our Savior. See, we look to all sorts of things for saving. We, we can look to all sorts of different things for help. From rescue from failure, comfort from pain, relief from loss, distraction from our own boredom. And we begin to reflect the things that we look to for help. I, I think maybe we've all seen it in different ways. You know, maybe you have a friend who is, for years, longing for a relationship. Fighting off loneliness. And then they meet somebody. And it's almost like just like a snap of a finger. All of a sudden, they cannonball into this relationship, full on, and in just a few days or weeks, things start to change. Their behavior starts to change. Their schedule starts to change. You go, man, I haven't seen that person in, it's been a long time. Sometimes the way they dress changes. And it's because this person is feeling such a big need, such a big desire in their life, that they're looking to this person to fill something that they are longing for, that their behavior changes dramatically. And, and honestly, sometimes the relationships are healthy and sometimes they're not. But it can indicate that, that need, that desire that needs to be filled. And I've, I've done it too. I, man, I look to all sorts of things for help. I look to all sorts of things to save me from something, save me from my hurt, Save me from the patterns. Save me from my boredom. And when I'm not careful over time, my behavior starts to reflect those things that I look to for saving. And Paul, to this early church in Philippians, is saying our behavior should reflect our Savior. We're conducting ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel, that we are growing and knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is. And the closer we get to Jesus, the more space he takes up in our life. And that is a good thing. So maybe you're saying, yeah, yeah, man, I'm in. I'm following Christ, or I want to follow Christ, and I want my conduct to reflect my Savior. So, like, what do I do? Well, I think the first thing is you continue to pursue Christ. And that can look like a lot of different things for you. But one thing that's helped me kind of keep track of 
this movement of uh, towards Jesus, like my desire to mature and to grow, is I look at two things, almost like a dashboard, almost like an instrument panel. And the first thing I look at is my public conduct, the actions that are on display for everybody. The second thing is my private world. And I think that when I'm living healthy, when I'm integrated and moving towards Jesus in maturity, those instruments, those gauges are moving parallel. My public world and my private world are moving together towards Jesus. Now, in the past, when I've seen that those get out of alignment, those start to indicate a problem. They start to, you know, put little lights on the dashboard that there's something I need to pay attention to, and this is what it means. When my public life is not worthy of the gospel, I, I lose my influence. And, and for those of you who, whose friends and roommates and family know that you follow Christ and the things that you do in public at work or when you go out or online or with whoever, when those things don't match up, you start to lose your influence. People start to go, but that's not, that's not in line with who you say you are. You lose your witness. You lose your authority. I lose my influence. When the opposite is true, when my private life, when the way I'm living my private world, whether it's when people aren't looking in my own thought life, when those things are not in line with the conduct that's worthy of the gospel of Christ, I lose my integrity. I start to lose my footing. I lose my foundation. The infrastructure that's holding up the rest of my life will eventually collapse. So for me, is my public conduct and my private conduct moving together in response and reflecting the Savior who loves me. And, and here, I think, is the good news. Because we all have moments where we're losing our integrity. We all have moments where we are losing uh, our, our, our public influence, where we live as hypocrites. Here's the good news. That Jesus, his invitation is just as valid for the hypocrites, for the failures, for the people who are spinning their wheels trying to earn their way. That invitation is real, and that is true. And it is true yesterday, it is true today, and it will be true tomorrow. That is the gospel of Christ that Paul is talking about. That is the beautiful message that Jesus offers us, and that is the invitation that we have to receive that our actions, that our behavior would reflect the beauty of that gospel truth. Jesus becomes closer and bigger and more beautiful in my life, and my actions will reflect him. As my heart follows Jesus, my actions will follow my heart. So Paul says, hey, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith and the gospel. Let's pray. Jesus, your invitation is the most beautiful critical invitation that we could ever answer. We want to be the people that say yes daily. We want to be the people whose actions reflect the beauty 
of who you are, whose behavior reflects our Savior in Jesus Christ. God, would you be close to us in Jesus? Would the gospel of Christ be big in our lives? We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.